Good morning, everyone. Morning, morning. Hello. Good morning. You can carry on these conversations after the service. Loads of time to catch up over some lovely tea and coffee and drinks at the back at the end. <clears throat> well, good morning. Morning. Lovely to see you all. My name's Nev. I'm one of the pastors of the church here, in case you didn't know that. And uh, it's my privilege to speak to you this morning. And we're going to be in a moment, continuing a series we've been going through on the Gospel of Luke. But before we do anything further, I'd love to just take a moment to pray. Father God, I thank you uh, for your presence with us here this morning. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are not a living God, you are the living God. You are the one who transforms lives. You are the only one who can save us. Lord God, you have all authority. Lord, you are the maker of the heavens and of the earth. You made me. You made each one of us. You know the number of hairs on our head, no you know, however many that is. <laughs> Lord, you know everything about our bodies, about what's going on inside us, inside our hearts, inside our minds. You are real. You are living. You are here amongst us this morning. You will change lives. You will restore lives. You will bring faith and hope. And we believe that, Lord God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that right now what I say is not about me using some clever thoughts or words. Lord, I, Lord, I submit myself to you. I submit myself to the word, to your word. And Lord, may we all do that right now. May we all experience a fresh sense of awe this morning at your greatness. Come and speak to each one of us this morning. Come challenge us. Come shape our hearts once again. Lord, if we've become complacent or, Lord God, just stir us again. Set our hearts ablaze. Set us on fire for you, for your purposes, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we're going to continue our series in Luke. And uh, we're up to chapter 7, so if you want to find that in your Bible, uh, that's where we're going to be. And um, if you haven't been following our series, you can catch up with it on our website through our podcast and our teaching page. So um, do go back and catch up if you've missed any of it. And um, the title of today's message, if, you, if you're writing notes, is... Um, are you the one, question mark, are you the one, which is a section of the text we're going to be looking at today. And we will see as we look at our text in a moment, we're going to be exploring uh, the theme of doubt, 
And doubt is something that we can all face at various times uh, in our life and to various, varying degrees. And I wonder what your experience is of doubt. I remember when I was uh, probably a, a young teenager, I had a, um, a carton of drink. I think it was called Five Alive. I don't know if it still exists. There's a little carton. And they used to, as they still do, have competitions on it. You know, you can win a prize. And often on cans, it was on a ring pull or... On this one, you, you pull off something. Nowadays, you have to text, and you know, can't be bothered with all that. But it was nice when you could instantly win a pro, you know, like, I've won something. And so this particular juice drink, it, it had this kind of clear film that you picked off. And then you held it over this pattern, and then it revealed the words, you know, oh, sorry, you haven't won this time. <laughs> However, I had this drink. I pulled it off. Not really high expectation for anything. I held it over the thing, and it said the words, you have won a mountain bike. I was like, what? I didn't even think that ever happened. I didn't, to be honest, I thought I was always a bit skeptical. Do they actually really give these prizes away? But it said, you have won a mountain bike. And so I had this moment of, wow, that's incredible, amazing. And I was delighting in it, and I was, you know, telling people. And then it wasn't that long after that, I then almost started to experience a bit of doubt because I thought, is this really true? Have I really, have I really won this? Am I, like, this just doesn't happen and it doesn't happen to me. I never, this doesn't happen. And so I'd show, like, my parents and go, I, I think I've won a mountain bike. And my brothers, and sure enough, they checked and go, it seems like you have. So I was amazed. And I sent off and sure enough, I received a brand new mountain bike. Isn't that amazing? I mean, yeah. I mean, you can clap. I don't know. I didn't do anything to... But, but yay! Things happen like that, you know. <laughs> you can win. Um, but, may, you know, I think... I wonder how many things like that, maybe not quite to that degree, but we all have moments in life where we might experience something incredible that happens to us, or we experience something that is promised to us. So it might be that we are offered that a new job or promotion. You're like, wow, I got the job, or I've been promised this promotion that I've been wanting at work. Or we might find out, oh, I'm expecting a baby, we're expecting a child. Or it might be that it's been suggested, maybe by our parents, that we are likely to receive that new games console for our birthday. Uh -huh. What's the latest games console? Xbox 9 or something? PS5, okay, right, PS5. I'm not down with it. I used to be. I used to be. Um, or it might be that we've been offered some accommodation that we've been desperately desiring, and then it's come up, and yes, we're going to get it. Or... It might be that we've been accepted by that college or university that we've been really hoping we could get into. Or maybe it's that particular person has promised me this thing that I've been so hoping they would promise, and I'm so thankful. And the list can go on. I'm sure you can come up with your own example of something amazing, and you're thankful. But with each one of those examples, there can be... Within the joy of what they are and what they promise, there can be 
but a very real temptation to then doubt. Is it really true? Will it really happen? Will I really get that mountain bike? Is that job or promotion? Uh, I think I was offered it. And then you go, wait, is it definite? Did they say for sure? Is that pregnancy test correct? Am I, is that technology working? Will I receive that games console? Really, will I get it? Will I be able to move into that promised accommodation? Or is it going to be taken up by someone else at the last moment? Is that college or university going to keep their promise that they have a place reserved for me? Or will that person really be true to their word and what they said they would do? Our times of belief in people or situations can quite easily and quickly turn to doubt. And so in these times of doubt, what is it that we need? Well, one, we need to remind ourselves of what it is we have received or been promised. We need to remind ourselves to combat those doubts. For example, I, I, I have been presented with this voucher that promised me, promises me I will get this bike, and I doubt it, so I'll go back and have a look again. No, it's, it is true. But the second thing we need is encouragement from others, for someone else to help you in your time of doubt. Sometimes you, just you alone, it doesn't do it. You need someone else to look on your behalf uh, at the thing that has been promised to you, to affirm to you that it is true, i.e., can you check that? Have I really won this bike? Yes, you have. Thank you. I just was doubting it for that moment. But the most important example, which I haven't mentioned so far, is the example of faith in Jesus. I've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he is the Son of God who died for my sins so that I can now stand before the Father completely forgiven and washed clean of my sin and I'm now his adopted son and daughter. Hallelujah. Amen. But we can receive that and say, amen, hallelujah, isn't it good news? Isn't that the truth? But then maybe that turns to doubt. Is it the truth? Am I really able to just come before him and accept that Jesus died in my place? Am I an adopted son and daughter? Am I acceptable to him? And so perhaps having received that great news initially, as I just said, we begin to doubt it. Maybe we doubt, is Jesus really the one? Is he really real? Is he really who he says he is, the Son of God who died in my place? If so, has he really chosen and forgiven me? Can he really restore me from my sin, my past sin, my current sin? Maybe if I sin again, is he still going to accept me? And in that time of doubt and questioning, I need to do two things. I need to, one, remind myself of who Jesus is, remind myself of the truth of Scripture, of His Word. I need to go back to His promises and read and remind myself of God, who He is, what He's done, what He's promised, what Jesus has done. I need this, the living Word, and believe in the truth of it. And secondly, I need to receive this encouragement from others. I can't do this on my own. I need my brothers and sisters, you, 
I need you to encourage me and say, Nev, this is true. Jesus really has died for you. Remember that. It's true. And you know what? It's a big thing, this, actually. And what we're going to look at in the text, we will get onto it, is this theme of doubt, and particularly doubting in our faith or doubting in Jesus or God, because there can be quite easily the temptation for us to think here today, particularly those of us that have put our faith in Jesus and are following him, we might have this temptation to think, I must be the only one who struggles with moments of doubt in my faith, and therefore I couldn't possibly share that with others. What would people think if I told them, you know, I'm I'm doubting? I don't know if any of you have been following the recent, um, well, it's not recent, but it's been come to light again through the ITV drama of the post office scandal. Has anyone been following that or seen that drama? Okay, it's, it's quite something. Um, if you don't know, just briefly, you know, years ago, a, a long time ago now, like 20, 25 years or something, the, uh, the, the post people who run post offices, the sub-post office master people, is that what they're called, something like that, um, they were given a new kind of IT system to put all their money through, and they were doing it. And then there was something wrong with the system, which meant it was showing that they were in debt, they owed money. But they were like, it can't be true, I've counted it. And the system was saying so. So they would ring this helpline and say, this isn't quite adding up. Is there a problem with the system? Because I've done this about 10 times now, and it's saying I I owe a £1,000. And the people on the helpline are saying, "Uh, no, I'm not sure what's going on there. And they say, has this happened with anyone else? No, you're the only one. And that's what came through in this whole investigation. They were told you're the only one. And so they're thinking, ah. And then they're sinking further and further into debt and going, oh, and their lives are crumbling and ruined. It's awful. Um, but, But the thing with it that was interesting is they were told they were the only one. And it was only later that they eventually found out this wasn't the case and there were many others who were going through the same thing and they're like we're not the only one and you know what you are not the only one who might have moments of doubt in Jesus you might think that's a controversial thing to say but in fact there are many heroes of faith we read about in the bible who have moments of doubt Theophilus who is addressed at the opening of the Gospel of Luke, which is what we're going through, uh, was having this account written to him by Luke so that he might know the certainty on the things he had been taught about Jesus, which might suggest that perhaps there was an element of uncertainty. And so Luke's saying, I want you to be certain. I'm writing this down for you, Theophilus. And in the section of text we're going to be reading... In just a moment, we will hear of how the great John the Baptist had a moment of doubt. So, in the big lead up to the text now, isn't it? We're going to read. And what we're going to do is we're going to read Luke 7, 18 to 22. Um, Matt actually gave me, uh, for the next section, 18 to 35. It's a lot of, um, a lot to cover in that. And... Uh, Matt writes his blog each day, so what we're going to do is I'm going to encourage you to look at his blog for verses 23 to 35 this week, because he's going to unpack a lot there. 
And you might say, that's a cop-out. You're, just <laughs> you're avoiding all that text, maybe. But also, when we, we're, sometimes when preparing a text, God brings something out. And as I was going through this in my preparation, I really felt these first kind of five verses, particularly, I felt God focus on that. Um, so that's what we're going to do. So, uh, from Luke 7, verse 18, and this is from the NIV. It says this. Uh, John's disciples told him about all these things. So, immediately preceding this uh, account, just pause there for a minute. Uh, immediately preceding it in the text, if you're looking in your Bible, uh, with the two accounts of Jesus healing. Uh, so healing, uh, which we looked at in the last couple of um, sermons. And then prior to that, further accounts of Jesus healing and teaching. So John's disciples are coming to John, telling him about these things that Jesus has been doing. And then John, calling two of them, two of his disciples, he sent them to the Lord to ask, so he sent them back to Jesus to ask Jesus, are you the one? You say, are you the one? He said, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you, Jesus, to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he, Jesus, replied to the messengers and said, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So here in just those five verses, we have John the Baptist, the one who had baptized Jesus and prepared the way for him, He's currently in prison, and he's visited by his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples. He's been visited by them who report to him, and they tell him what Jesus had been doing. And John's response here is to send them back to Jesus to ask Jesus if he really is the one. Is he really this promised Messiah? Is he really the one? And John's disciples, they do as he asks. They return to Jesus, at which they witness more signs and wonders, and Jesus sends John's disciples back to John to tell him about what they have seen Jesus do to confirm that these things reveal that Jesus is the one. So in this account right here, we see a mighty man of God, of faith, of obedience, of anointing John the Baptist in a moment of doubt. He's wondering, is Jesus actually Actually, the one. You might think, John, what are you doing? But if you were in John's position, what would you be doing, do you think? Do you think you would share in this moment of doubt? I mean, you've been expecting this amazing Jesus to come and do all this stuff, and then here you are in prison, pondering over all this stuff. Perhaps you would have been maybe like John might have been, you've been excited at the prospect of this promised one coming to overthrow the Romans, uh, the, the Roman rulers. And, and when this didn't happen, you would also perhaps have begun to ask, oh, actually, is this man really who he says he was? Gosh, that could be embarrassing because I've done all this 
baptized him and made this big thing and behold, the Lamb of God. Is it really him? So in order to help John in this moment of doubt, what do the disciples do? Well, they, we see, they, they go to Jesus. They physically, they go to Jesus. John's saying, is he the one? And he sends them, but they go. It says in verse 20, the men came to Jesus and they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And when they go to Jesus, what happens? They receive something. They receive a fresh encouragement and reminder of who Jesus is. They come to him and they see again the signs and wonders and they go, yes, wow, Jesus, this is incredible. So they receive something as they go to Jesus and then they take that. And then it says, verse 21, at that time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits. This is what Jesus was doing. He gave sight to the many who were blind. And Jesus replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame, they walk. Those who have leprosy, they're cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. They then return to John, and they encourage him in his doubt by reporting back to him from their time with Jesus. John, we have been, and now we're back. Let us report to you what we have seen and heard from Jesus. And I wonder for us today, this, do we do the same as John's disciples, his, these messengers? I.e., if you have a friend or a family member who is in a moment of crisis, in a moment of doubt in Jesus, what is your default first response? Someone dear to you, close to you, love who's been following Jesus, perhaps, and then they're having a wobble, they're having a moment of crisis in their faith, and they're saying, I'm not sure. Is Jesus really the one anymore? What do we do first? Do we try and sort it out and go, ah, you know? Or do we first do what we see in this text and what these disciples of John do? Do we first go to Jesus? Do we go to Jesus say, I need to go to Jesus, or do we not as our first response? Our vision, or our, as a church, our values here, bringing people to Jesus, myself, one another, our community. So, this applies I believe in all these situations. In this situation here, and a person like John, a moment of faith, your friend, my friend, they're having a moment of crisis. You want to immediately fix it. You want to think in your own, how can I fix this? But what we need to remember is this. Jesus can do all things, and he has the power. As a friend, what I need to do is I need to say, no, I'm going to go to Jesus. I need to go take myself to him. 
I need to get down on my knees before him and say, my friend, struggling in a moment of doubt, in a moment of crisis. Jesus, I bring myself to you. What is going on? I don't even understand this. We need to allow Jesus to minister to us. We need to allow Jesus to remind us of who he is, of his truth, of his power, of of his miracles. And after that is when we then say, I'm going to come back to my friend and I'm going to say, I've been with Jesus. He has reminded me that he is for you. He has reminded me that he has adopted you. He has reminded me that he is the way, the truth, the life. He has reminded me that you were once lost and now you've been found. Remember that moment in your life when you didn't know him? Remember how he, he brought you to faith? Remember. Do you remember that? Come. Come with me. Let me bring you to Jesus, in fact. So we bring them. Or maybe they're not in that place. So what we're doing is we're saying, Jesus, I bring you to, to my friend. It's biblical. I've had some times recently where I've walked through some really tough situations with people close to me. N- numerous p- situations and people. And it's really hard. Because in my, my, my heart and my, uh, my desire is that I want to help you. I just, I feel so helpless. And I want to help you, you know. I see you're struggling. I, I just want to help. And I don't know what to do. But what I continue to realize is that what they need most is Jesus. And so how can I best help them? By bringing myself again to Jesus. Bringing myself to him. Coming before him in prayer. Receiving that fresh encouragement. And reminders from him. And then I take that back to that person. And I help lift their eyes to him once again. The devil, is so, he, wants to, um, he wants to do all he can to take us down, to take us out. And he will do anything. His schemes are sometimes really obvious, but his schemes can be very subtle as well. And so even to the point of, I've spent time with Jesus, I feel encouraged. I feel I can bring a scripture that God's put on my heart for this person that's going to encourage them. And I'm full of faith. And then I come to the moment where I'm meeting with my friend. And they tell me their issues again, their problems. And then I kind of sometimes might have a moment of doubt and think, Are they? Is this, this feels a bit too simplistic. Like, will they just be annoyed? Oh, they're quoting the Bible at me again. Maybe I shouldn't read this because maybe it's obvious. People need to hear the truth, amen? We need to be reminded of the truth of God, of who he is. And I need to to remind myself in that moment, I'm with a friend, I need to remind myself, Jesus, you have the power through your word to minister to them. I might read this and in this moment I might think, oh, I felt it it had power when I was on my own. And now I come to it, I'm like... Why am I reading these verses again? I'm sure they're... But you read them in faith, and you've got to leave that with God and trust Jesus and say, Jesus, I I believe that you can work in their life through this. Come, Lord Jesus. Come in your power. Come and restore them in their doubt. And this is really the main point of this morning is this. Jesus encourages us in our doubt through one another. When the Israelites complained in the wilderness time and time again, you know, they'd, they'd 
been freed from uh, slavery in Egypt, and they're wandering through the desert, and then they're moaning and complaining, and uh, not enough food, I want to go back to Egypt, what's going on? Is God really real? No, let's make a false God and worship that instead. What happened? Moses, who was leading the people who God had chosen to lead them, he struggled. What are they doing? But what did he do? He went to God. He went to them. He interceded on their behalf. He spoke to God. He tried to grapple with these things of God. He said, God, I don't know. End my life. I don't want to deal with this anymore. But God restored his faith and encouraged him to keep persevering and helping the people of God to follow God. In, God, in John's moment of doubt, Jesus used John's disciples to encourage him as they came back to him. So I wonder, what about you? How, how will you respond to this message today? It isn't just a, um, or any Sunday, we, we, we hear these messages, we read the word, and it's not just like, that's interesting, that's nice, I've got my notes now. Do, do we, do you, do we, it's a challenge for me, do I go away from God's word, from hearing God's word, and actually go, God, what are you saying to me today? How can I respond to this? In some ways, what I'm sharing this morning is, a, is a really a simple point. It's maybe a point you think, oh, we've heard this lots before, we've heard, we're always talking about this. But it is such an important one. And we are not to be those that are only focused on ourselves. Uh, Matt and Jem and I and Helen and Susie, we were at a, a conference just the last two days with leaders from New Ground Churches, so leaders of all the churches we're a part of. And we had a, um, a great time just focusing on God together, worshipping him. And one of the things that came out was um, just a reminder uh, someone was just sharing some stuff, and it was just probably a small point, but it just struck me um, again. Where we live in, in the West and our society is a very individualistic society on the whole. It's like, how, how could me? How can I help me? What do I need? Me. But God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Number two, Love your neighbor, love one another, God, and then, and then me after. We're to be those who aren't just focused only on ourselves. We're to be those who love Jesus and love one another. And perhaps this morning, God wants to tell you that you have, you do have what it takes to encourage someone in their moment of doubt. You might be sitting here thinking, that's great, but I'm not that person. I, I don't feel like I could encourage someone in their faith. You can. We all can. We're all called to do it. We're all called to walk with one another. We're all called to continue meeting together, to bring our gifts, to lift one another's eyes again to Jesus. And don't let the enemy feed that lie into you and say, well, no, not me. I, you're not, you know, I'm not worthy. You are. And you are able, no matter what you might think. And you know what? It brings glory to God when you do this. Again, lifting our eyes to him. 
I am going to spend time with that person. I'm going to send them that scripture. I'm going to do that, not for my own glory, like to make me look good, for God's glory. It brings him glory. Maybe you're here this morning and you are currently in a moment of doubt. Perhaps you are doubting the reality of Jesus. Well, I want to encourage you right now that Jesus is here. He is alive. He is real and he is so eager to know you and to invite you into an incredible relationship and journey of faith with him. And maybe you're already in that, but it's not quite what it should be. He wants to invite you deeper, deeper into that relationship with him. I want that. I want to know Jesus deeper and deeper and deeper. It's an incredible journey, the journey of faith in Jesus. It doesn't promise us that in this life we're going to have health and wealth and prosperity. That's not a promise. But praise God if that is the case for you at the moment. But the promise of Scripture is that Jesus will be with you. He promises never to leave you or forsake you. He is the good shepherd. He is the one that you can look to. He will lead you. Do you know what a shepherd does? They have that stick, that crook, don't they? To use, to guide, to care for the sheep. But sometimes the shepherd has to use that crook to yank a sheep, which might hurt the sheep because he's bringing them away from the edge, away from calamity, away from falling off the cliff. It's a loving thing to do. Jesus loves you. He loves us all. We must be a family who truly help one another in times of doubt or crisis in our faith. We must do this. And build your faith. If you're helping someone, you're like, how am I going to help them? It causes you to, as I was saying earlier, you go to Jesus you search the scriptures. Jesus, bring me something of encouragement. What's that going to do for you? It's going to build your faith because you're going to be encouraged. The things of this world can fail us. We can have these hopes and aspirations and dreams and put our faith in things. For example, I might win a bike. But you know what? It might not turn out to be true, or if it is true, it might not live up to expectations. The bike I won was actually way too small for me. It was amazing, it was new, it was a bike, but it was too small. So I sold it in some kind of second-hand shop and got very little money for it. But hey, it's a good reminder, isn't it? Don't put your faith in those things, but... You can put your faith in Jesus. Because does Jesus ever fail us? Will he far exceed our expectations if we put our full trust and confidence in him? Will, will he? Will he exceed your expectations if you put your trust in him? He will. Yeah. It's true. He really, he really, really will. Jesus really is who he says he is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the healer of our sicknesses and diseases. He is the one who became flesh to die for, for you. He is the one who promises you eternal life. He promises you a new body, a new resurrection body. You might be sitting here thinking, I am sick. I am not well. Hey, God wants to heal you, but you know what? If that doesn't happen in his providence, 
God promises there is a whole eternity with a new body that is not going to be sick, is not going to have issues. It's a wonderful promise. We need to be living in this heavenly, eternal mindset. Hey, I'm not living for the here and now. I've got an eternal, glorious future ahead of me. What am I going to do right now in this moment on this earth? Am I going to live for the glory of God? Am I going to glorify him by bringing others to him in their doubt? Am I in my doubt going to trust him again? Let's do that. Let's be those that bring ourselves to Jesus and bring one another to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Shall we stand? Because what we're going to do now is we're going to bring ourselves to Jesus. Sam and the band are going to lead us. We're going to lift our eyes to him. We're going to remind ourselves of some great truths. As we sing these songs, don't stand there and think, oh, I don't like this song, or I can't remember how to sing this one. If you're not sure about that, just focus on the words, the scripture, the truth contained within these songs. Let me just pray for us before we sing. I'll pray again. Never pray too long. Father God, I thank you for the truth of your scripture and I pray this morning that whatever has spoken to individual hearts this morning, that it would uh, be, it would take hold, it would take root. Lord God, that seeds of faith will have been sown this morning, that hearts will be encouraged. Even right now, Holy Spirit, we believe you're here and present. I pray, come and encourage us this morning. I pray for any of us who are experiencing moments of doubt. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to see you and lift our eyes to you and realize you are who you say you are. You are the one. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be those that lift one another's eyes to you. We say you are glorious, Lord. We believe in you. We affirm our faith again in you. And we say we trust you, Lord. We praise you.